This is HSBC Global Viewpoint, your window into the thinking, trends and issues shaping global banking and markets. Join us as we hear from industry leaders and HSBC experts on the latest insights and opportunities for your business. Thank you for listening. You're listening to the HSBC Global Research Macro Viewpoint our weekly review of the key reports from our team of economists and strategists across the globe. Coming up today, we assess the outlook for emerging markets following a difficult few months. And we also look at the impact of high energy prices in Europe and whether recent sterling weakness has made the currency cheap. This podcast was recorded on Thursday, the 14th of October, 2021. Our full disclosures and disclaimers can be found in the link attached to this podcast. Hello, I'm Mary Watkins. And I'm Piers Butler. It was a tough third quarter for emerging market assets, with fears over stagflation hurting investor sentiment. So are there any signs of improvement as we head into the remainder of the year? Murat Olgan is our Global Head of Emerging Markets Research, and he joins me now. Murat, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So Murat, why did emerging markets perform so poorly in the third quarter? Yes, it's been a challenging year for EM, but uh, the third quarter performance was particularly poor because emerging markets have to contend with so many moving parts in the investment backdrop, like COVID-19 headwinds that are continuing, the variants, downside risk to global growth, rising inflation and higher inflation volatility a less supportive global liquidity backdrop, the looming tapering of asset purchase by the Fed, regulatory tightening in mainland China, a resurgent US dollar, and very recently a spike in energy prices and a leg up in core bond yield. So it's the fear of stagflation actually that is creeping into the conversations. And this is the unpleasant mix of slow growth and higher inflation. So are investors right to be worried about stagflation? I think they are because emerging markets are now faced with a series, multiple negative supply side shocks. And these negative supply side shocks are particularly taxing for emerging markets. The first one has been there for quite a long time. It's the continued global trade tensions and reversal of some globalization gains. And on top, we have the supply chain disruptions caused by the pandemic. Recently, it's the spike in energy costs. And there is this impending tightening in global liquidity as the major central banks are edging towards normalization of ultra-loose monetary policy. How do you view the outlook for EM going forward? So, you know, our, our base case is that, you know, stagflation could be avoided, but clearly the risks are for slower growth and higher inflation for EM. So at minimum, uh, the growth inflation makes it deteriorating for emerging markets. But does it mean that we should avoid emerging markets altogether? The answer is no. For one thing, we're still looking for a relatively decent growth in 2022, albeit with sticky inflation parts of EM. But on top, the technical picture is very favorable. EM asset classes, particularly equities and some currencies, are cheap by historical standards. The positioning is quite light, and institutional investors have large pile of cash. So to us, it's really the fundamentals that are obviously not favorable for EM, but the technical picture is quite supportive. Marat? Thanks very much for that summary. Thanks for having me. Rising energy prices have been dominating the headlines over recent weeks, with record gas prices contributing to a rise in inflation here in Europe. Fabio Balboni, senior European economist, has been looking at what impact the crisis could have on the region's recovery. Fabio, what's the latest on the energy situation in Europe? 
Yes, well, energy prices have been surging uh, recently, uh, particularly wholesale gas and electricity prices. That is the result of almost a, a perfect storm of a contributing factor. We had the low gas stock uh, at the end of uh, last uh, year's cold winter. We had uh, a supply disruption. Uh, we had limited uh, uh, imports from uh, Russia uh, and also surging demand uh, as a result of the unlocking of the economy and again other one-off factors such as for example the uh, lack of wind which has reduced the uh, supply of uh, alternative uh, energy sources. So as a result of that we've seen these uh, huge increases in wholesale gas and electricity prices which have more than doubled uh, since uh, uh, summer and some of these is starting to feed through to consumer prices and has pushed inflation to a more than 12-year high in September, in the Eurozone at 3.4%. And on top of that, we're now also seeing rising oil prices, which are up more than 10% over the last few weeks, and that could add the further pressure in terms of inflation. You mentioned inflation there. Can you give us some more detail on what the impact has been? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we have made some estimates in our latest note, uh, and we calculated that uh, if uh, the latest uh, increases in wholesale gas and electricity prices are fully passed through to the consumers, uh, compounded by the latest increase in the oil price, uh, that could push inflation uh, to close to 5% year on year uh, in the fourth quarter of uh, the year. Uh, that's uh, compared to our current forecast, which is 3.6%, uh, so a huge upside risk. Uh, however, we do not think that uh, these will be the case. So we see this as an extreme scenario, and that is because uh, many countries have already announced uh, interventions to prevent some of those price increases to be passed through to the consumers. We think that the peak will therefore be lower, but still significant pressure in terms of inflation, particularly in the near term. And of course, they could also turn into more persistent pressures if the increases in energy prices will prove more sustained. And we could also see the risk that that starts to affect second round prices and in turn also possibly wages. So could all of this slow Europe's recovery? Yes, absolutely. We estimate uh, in the note uh, that price rises that we've seen uh, so far in regulated energy prices combined uh, with the recent oil price increase uh, could reduce household incomes uh, by about uh, 0.6 percentage point. Uh, and uh, as a result of that, uh, uh, they could take off 0.2 percentage point uh, from GDP growth over the coming quarters. Um, in an extreme scenario where uh, the recent increases uh, in wholesale gas and electricity prices are passed on fully to the consumers, of course, the impact uh, will be bigger, uh, up to two percentage points in terms of income hit and with a, a 0.5 percentage point hit to growth. But as I said before, this is an extreme scenario. But having said that, uh, there is the risk that uh, we could see uh, probably a slightly bigger impact than the 0.2 percentage point uh, because, first of all, uh, it uh, happens uh, at a time where uh, Eurozone growth is already slowing, but also because uh, this shock will affect disproportionately 
poorer households uh, which have a higher propensity to consume uh, and therefore uh, that could be uh, more of a hit to consumption and therefore uh, growth. So while we do not think it will be enough to derail the Eurozone recovery, it could certainly take quite a lot of steam out of it. How do you think the ECB will react? Well, the ECB so far has been very clear that they will uh, look through this shock uh, and therefore this will not uh, change uh, the course uh, of monetary policy, at least in the near term. Uh, and certainly there's plenty of reason for that. This is a, a, an energy shock, uh, one that the ECB cannot affect directly with its tool uh, and it doesn't need to change the medium term uh, inflation outlook, which uh, based on the latest set of forecasts, which we had in September, September from the ECB uh, still saw inflation well below uh, the 2% target uh, in, uh, in the medium term. However, markets are certainly questioned that, and uh, we've seen the market pricing uh, uh, in terms of the first possible rate hike uh, changing significantly recently, and the first rate increase is now fully priced in by the end of next year. So uh, clearly the market is questioned, and the ECB facing some tough challenges ahead to make the case to continue to look through the shock, and particularly as we head into the crucial uh, ECB meeting in December, where the ECB is expected to deliver more stimulus. Uh, and certainly is likely to remain elevated uh, in the market. And clearly, while we remain of the view that more uh, stimulus and in particularly an additional uh, QE package will be delivered in December, clearly the shock has increased at the medium-term risk for the monetary policy uh, framework. And particularly if this shock proves to be more persistent, it could start have second round effect and therefore also feed through to higher wage growth. And if it does so in a more persistent manner, of course, uh, it could uh, make things uh, more difficult for the ECB in the future. Fabio, thanks for your time. Thank you. We finish this week with a look at the prospects for sterling, where Dominic Bunning, head of European FX Research, has been assessing whether the currency should be viewed as cheap. He joins us now. Dom, the consensus view is broadly positive on the outlook for sterling. What's your view? We continue to maintain a counter-consensus bearish view on sterling. And if anything, the weakness that we've seen in the currency in the last few months brings it a little bit closer into line with our estimate of fair value for the currency. And actually that point's quite important because we think that the key difference in terms of our thinking versus the consensus around sterling is a different assessment of where long-term fair value is. Ultimately, we don't think that the market has adjusted enough to take account of some of the big supply shocks that have happened to the UK economy in the last few years and that ultimately drag down the level of fair value for the currency. So if you think sterling is close to fair value, where do we go from here? And the reality is that we see some competing forces which ultimately offset each other and don't really suggest that sterling should be significantly over or undervalued at this point. And therefore, we see the currency really range trading, if slightly drifting lower into the end of the year. 
And those competing forces come across a range of different dynamics, but for example, we've got relatively strong recent growth momentum being offset by what looks like quite a sharp slowdown in the months ahead. We've got uh, a big repricing higher of rate expectations in the near term, but that's offset by a relatively low UK terminal interest rate. And on the external balance side of things, we've had this really strong improvement on the current account in the last few quarters, but that's already looking like it's reversing. So from our perspective, these competing forces ultimately suggest Serling should trade around its long-term fair value in the months ahead. Dom, thanks very much. So that's it for today's program. Thank you to our guests, Murat Olgan, Fabio Balboni, and Dominic Bunning. From all of us here, thanks for listening. Please join us next week for another edition of The Macro Viewpoint. Thank you for listening today. This has been HSBC Global Viewpoint, Banking and Markets. For more information about anything you heard in this podcast or to learn about HSBC's global services and offerings, please visit gbm.hsbc.com.